Hi, and welcome to The Art of Film Funding. I'm your co-host, Claire Papan, along with Carol Dean, author of the best-selling book, The Art of Film Funding. Carol is also the founder and president of From the Heart Productions and the host of this show. John Reese is a filmmaker, author, and media strategist who wrote the book, Think Outside the Box Office. Through his company, Hybrid Cinema, he has advised hundreds of filmmakers and film organizations throughout the world, including IFP, Paramount Studios, Screen Australia, Film Independent, and Creative Scotland. Film clients have included Hooligan Sparrow, Maya Angelou, and Still I Rise, Food Chains. He also co-wrote Selling Your Film Without Selling Your Soul and Selling Your Film Outside the U.S. He's conducted his master classes over five continents and is the senior lab leader at the IFP Filmmaker Labs. Join him on Facebook and Twitter to participate in his biweekly Facebook Live sessions. And Carol, I know you quote John Reese often on our show, don't you? Yes, I do, Claire, because he's always in the forefront with great ideas. And thank you, John, for joining us. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for having me. Um, I, I'm actually not doing those Facebook Lives currently. I didn't notice that in the bio, so I should have corrected that. So <laughs> we might start those up again, but probably, you know, we'll see what happens with that. So. Well, that was really well received. People love those. Mm-hmm. Um Okay, well, let's get started with this IFP Filmmaker Lab, because I hear a lot of filmmakers say how much they enjoy your teachings there. So you might Mm -hmm. tell us a bit about the labs and how filmmakers can get into them. So um, Filmmaker Lab is great. I've been working with them for, I think, 10 years now. And uh, Ted Hope and I helped change that from – they had a rough cut lab and a rough cut finishing lab. And so we proposed at the time after I wrote the book um, to help convert it to a rough cut um, or finishing distribution and marketing lab. And so there's a session in the spring, there's one in um, during IFP film week. um, And then there's the distribution marketing session that I main, you know, I lead a lot of in November and, um, you know, it's really great. They, you know, it's a lot of really talented filmmakers, really great films this year. Um, it's all for first-time filmmakers based in the United States, um, narrative and documentary, equally 10 each, uh, 10 films, narrative, 10 films documentary. And I think the applications start again in, like, January, February. I usually post it on my Facebook page and Twitter, so if you follow me on either of those, you'll most likely get the notification and you can also check in with IFP around January, February when they start taking applications again. Wonderful. Okay. That sounds great. Now your website uh, says that you work with people in production who may need support. So what type Mm -hmm. of support do you give filmmakers in production through the hybrid cinema, your company? So I do, um, well, two things. Um, at times I'll do an early consultation um, just where I'll start with people um, just to help them be aware of what they need to do in production, um, you know, taking stills, assets, but, you know, kind of walking through what their goals are, 
thinking about, you know, especially if it's a documentary or even a narrative, things that they can do during production that will, you know, potentially help enhance um, what they will be able to do in distribution and marketing. Um, but I don't, you know, most filmmakers don't have the resources for that, don't think that it's necessary. You know, I, I generally encounter most filmmakers in post-production for distribution and marketing, or that's when I like to encounter them. Um, and or at least encounter them. I prefer not to encounter. It's better. I have worked with filmmakers who are already on the film festival circuit, but it's better to start before they start on the film festival circuit. And then the other, I've worked as a production consult, uh, uh, consulting producer on Desolation Center, which is going to be premiering at Slamdance, which we're very excited about having its U.S. premiere at Slamdance. It already played at CPH Docks and Sheffield. And um, so, and that I was, kind of advising um, the director and producer, Stuart, kind of throughout the process. Because, um, I, you know, I have like 30 years of production experience, and we would just talk every couple of weeks and, um, you know, et cetera. So that's, that's, those are the two different kinds of things. But, you know, the, most of the work that I do is with filmmakers who are um, kind of approaching the finishing of their film and thinking about distribution and marketing. And even though... In my opinion, they should be thinking about distribution and marketing all the way through, especially in terms of, I'll repeat it again, collecting assets um, during production, uh, which is so important. And um, so, uh, yeah, that's when I pretty much engage people. And, you know, and I engage people in a couple of different ways just to jump ahead. Um, one is uh, doing strategy and consultation. And most, you know, most of my work as filmmakers starts with a strategy and consultation where I help them, uh, you know, I walk them through what their goals are, who their audience is, um, what the unique nature of their film is, what they want their career to be, um, which also ties back into goals and what their resources are and um, kind of like mapping out a strategy for the film um, based on that. And then, you know, I usually, uh, that initial console can be spread out over a number of periods of time um, or broken up into different sections. And, um, and then sometimes I'll help supervise films after that, you know, on an hourly basis. Sometimes then the other way we get involved is a little bit more, you know, involved in the direct supervision of the film and or helping with their social media or social advertising um, or outreach. And then the other thing that I do is that occasionally, like not that often because it's, it's pretty time consuming um, and it's expensive is uh, I will like run the entire release. So, um, for instance, on uh, Generation Zapped, which I believe was one of your projects, um, uh, we ran, I helped with supervising the campaign, I devised a strategy for them, and then we ran the social media and outreach. We ended up doing 200 screenings for them um, when we were running the screenings campaign, and um, then we did social media for them at the, you know, the, during that screenings campaign, and then we came on back on board when they were doing the um, their uh, DVD and digital distribution. Wow. Okay. All right. So, Lel, here, let's, you supervise films. I really got that. Uh, let's go to social media, because you, you help people with social media. Um, mm-hmm. Well, what, give us some advice on social media. What do you recommend? Um, so, let's see, a few things. Um, 
you know, it's social media is a good way to figure out who your audience is. I mean, it's good to, here's a, you know, don't just talk about your film, talk about what's interesting to your audience. You know, um, think about who your audience is and um, think about, you know, even if you don't have tons of video content, think about other kinds of content that you can, um, you know, engage them with. Um, and, um, but the, one of the key things about social media is that it kind of these days has to go hand in hand with social advertising, um, that you can't, you can do a little bit with straight social media, but unless you're advertising, um, and unless, unless you're advertising, uh, you're not really going to reach as many people, unless you're paying to use the, the platforms, you're not going to reach that many people, um, and generally, the, what we found, you know, in talking to other people, kind of the most effective platforms are Facebook because they have a very – and Instagram because they have a very sophisticated ad platform. And um, so you can really target people, you know, really see what your results are, see what's working and not working. And, um, you know, you can – so that's what – that's the main thing, and that's kind of one of the main things we talk to people about is that – not just to focus on social media, but to also think about social advertising. And it can be com complicated. I mean, you really should be engaging with the Facebook business manager. You shouldn't just be boosting, you know, blindly from, you know, your Facebook page. Um, you know, granted, those things will help, and they'll say how much reach you get, but it's really a consumer product. It's not really a business product. Um, and um, the business manager can be a little complicated, so it's good to have someone, you know, on your to bring someone on board who knows how to use it. And um, so, and then tied in with that, I think because one of the things that was interesting on this, so one of the, you know, I didn't really tell an example of, um, I gave the example of Generation Zap, but also last year we ran, like I was, I basically was the PMD on a film, um, and we can get into the definition of that later. Um, this past year where, you know, I, brought on, I did all the key art, um, not myself personally, but I brought on a key artist, a trailer. We did all the marketing materials. I brought on an outreach team, brought on, you know, we did the social media, brought in an advertising person. Um, we basically created the whole, you know, ran the whole distribution marketing, ran the screenings campaign, um, set up the website, created the DVD, everything. It was, um, so basically I was functioning as a full service distributor. Um, and, um, so, you know, we, in that process is where we really learned about the value of advertising and, you know, what you can really get out of advertising as opposed to what you're going to get organically. I mean, we had always known the power of boosting, et cetera, but not to the extent that, you know, we know about it now. So it was really great, you know, wonderful experience. So what you're saying here is a Facebook business manager. You work as that. Uh, Facebook doesn't have uh, – you don't hire somebody at Facebook. You hire an outside person to be your Facebook Yeah, yeah. There's no one manager. at Facebook currently to – yeah. Facebook business manager is actually just a um, part of the, the back end. Um, and um, it's, not, it's not a person. It's, you know, the person who's running your Facebook business manager is your social media manager or your ads manager. Um, but Facebook business manager is the way that you access the, you know, the more sophisticated aspects of, um, of Facebook. 
Okay. Well, um, when you started out, you said so what it, used you, to be what used to be what filmmakers used to think was kind of complicated now is you know very complicated. So <laughs> uh, yeah. enhanced complication. Okay. Yeah. Um, I totally understand that. So, but first of all, I want to go back to figuring out who the audience is. When you tell you talk to your clients and say, "Who's your audience?" I do this all the time, and they they uh, don't know. They don't really mm-hmm. have a composite of an audience. How do you suggest they find that? Well, I mean, part of it is, you know, kind of seeing how, I mean, first of all, it's like, you know, thinking, you know, it's it's a little harder for narratives than documentaries, but not, you know, some narratives that have some certain genre component or, um, you know, there's um, – you know, it's, it's, you can, there's definitely audiences for that. Um, but if it's a straight drama, it's a little bit more difficult and you have to kind of dive down into what kind of drama it is. And that's why, in the sense, why casting is so important because you're, you know, and that's why it's been so important. Casting has been so important for studios is because a lot of times the audience for the film is the audience of the actors, you know, and that's, um, you know, in, in a sense, it's interesting how studios have a little bit moved away from that. I mean, they do it to an extent, but um, really the studios have moved towards genre and action films and, you know, where they know there's an audience for those films, you know, and they can identify that audience. So as an independent filmmaker, you know, you have, you know, um, it's a little bit tougher road. For documentaries, you know, usually the documentary is about a subject and usually the subjects have, there's niche audiences around that that you can find and you can target. And there's a, you know, you can go into, one of the things that you can do is kind of go in and run some ads and or, um, uh, you know, or some content um, to different audiences in Facebook and see who responds to it and see, do some A-B testing and targeting and that's, you know, there's a lot of, look, I, there's a lot of things that Facebook has done lately that I'm not a fan of, um, you know, for pretty obvious reasons. Um, you know, the one thing that they have done is made certain tools available to people with less means than were usually, you'd have to pay tons and tons of money for. Now you have to still pay money to you know, be able to use those, you know, to have, bring on someone who has the knowledge to use those. But um, it's not like the old days where it was like you had to have an ad agency and, you know, and there are ad agencies that work with independent filmmakers, but generally they, you know, start with ad budgets of fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000. But you can do, you know, you can do campaigns with less money. Um, and um, so, where was I? So we were talking about audience. So, you know, you can A-B test and before that even, or like if, once your film is close to being done, I really recommend people doing test screenings, not just to see if the film's working or not, but to also kind of like pull their audience and see and bring in people who are not their friends and family and bring in who you think the audience is for the film and see how they react to it and see. And I know this is hard work, um, but it is something, you know, and, and to see, like, just get a sense of who, you know, your audience for your film might be. So, and then it's, you know, it's good to talk with people who have experience with this, 
you know, such as myself um, and others, and um, have them help you with this as well. Exactly. That's exactly what you need. You need someone who really specializes. Everything has gotten so uh, complicated. I mean, it has expanded uh, laterally so much that uh, it's a whole job to get in there and learn how to do it. Well, mm-hmm. um, and the outreach. Uh, so you did. You took uh, Generations Act. Uh, Sabine has worked on mm-hmm. that for five or six years now. It, it was a heartfelt production for her because yeah. her children were in school with all of the Wi-Fi mm-hmm. around them, and she felt it was detrimental to their health. So um, her most valuable uh asset to her was to get it shown so that mothers and families would understand the implications. So tell me, you've got her 200 screenings. What uh, Can you share some of the places? Was it all community or schools or what was it? I think it was a combination of community and schools. Um, and um, it was about a year ago that we did this. But, you know, you can, they're all listed on her website, which I encourage you to go to. Um, and you can kind of see, I think it's still set up that where people can, you know, what we did is, you know, we, you know, um, there's an outreach person that I work with that I brought on and, um, and um, started engaging the community and, and, um, and uh, through that, set up a bunch of screenings. And, you know, and some, you know, one thing was there, that there was some, um, some action going on in Massachusetts about 5G, I believe. And so there was a group that wanted to sponsor screenings in libraries. And so they would buy blocks of 10 screenings. I think they ended up buying two blocks of 10 screenings to, so that they could help promote those screenings in, um, in Massachusetts. Um, and so, yeah. No, we did. Um, so it was public libraries, um, community groups, and schools. You know, um, yeah. But that's a lot of research on your side to find those people who are interested specifically in this issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's part of the outreach work. So um, and um, so uh, yeah, yeah. That's well done. That's uh, that's a lot of work because uh, that was a film that everybody should see, but nobody wants to see it because they don't want to know how dangerous their cell phones are. So she had, I think she's had a really hard time getting it viewed as much as it should have been. Yeah, there's a lot of resistance to that. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, give us your definition of an impact producer. So an impact producer is mainly someone who goes out um, and it's for a film where the goal is to change the world in some way. And, um, and so, and what that person does is develops a strategy, figures out what the goal is and tries to hone down like what the specific kind of action item that is going to try to be achieved, whether it's, certain legislation or, um, and obviously in this Congress, it's a little tough, but, um, you know, maybe it's even in a state legislature or, um, you know, so it could, but it may not be necessarily um, uh, legislation. It could be some other, you know, goal that an organization is trying to achieve. Maybe they're trying to raise money for research or, or even just create awareness around a certain issue. Um, and then, so determining what the goal is, and specifically, specifically what the um, uh, what the action is, 
and then uh, figuring out what the strategy and tactics are um, to to achieve that, and then executing them. You know, so a lot of it's outreach work. So um, a lot of impact producers are, you know, kind of specialized in doing outreach, you know, to organizations, community groups. And, um, you know, and a lot of that will sometimes extend into screenings campaigns as well. So, um, and then what a producer of marketing distribution can do that as well. But I, I say that the difference is, is that producers of marketing and distribution, you know, the biggest difference is that um, we will work or PMD will work with a film that isn't impact um, oriented. Um, and, um, so that's, you know, so we work with a quite a variety of films and it's not necessarily, the goals aren't necessarily impact oriented. Um, and, you know, I, I would say the other aspect of it is that, um, although some impact producers can do this as well, you know, a, a PMD would be potentially in charge of all aspects of the release, including the distribution, et cetera. So that's. Um, whereas many impact producers don't do that. So, um, wow, I would well, say that, those... can, that can be very beneficial in today's world because particularly if you want to get as much money as possible from distribution, we're, I'm really leaning towards uh, self-distribution today. How do you feel about that? I mean, it all depends, you know. Um, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't call it self-distribution because you're kind of doing it you know, you hopefully are doing it with the team. Um, and um, so, but yeah, it's creating more of a hybrid path where you're either doing some of the material, some of the work yourself, and then some of the work with um, other partners um, can be a much more fruitful and, um, you know, uh, economic, you know, have more economic results. Um, if you can, because I think a lot of those kind of flat sales that, you know, kind of are out there or minimum guarantees or, uh, or advances for, for films don't exist as much anymore. And, um, you know, ultimately with most um, distribution situation or many distribution situations, you're going to end up doing a lot of the work yourself anyway. So um, yeah. So I would I would tend to agree with what you're saying, um, given certain caveats. But um, there aren't really that many kind of like overall deals out there that really make sense, because generally um, certain distribution entities are good at one thing but not necessarily good at another thing. Um, and then then again, it depends on what your goals are, you know. But in this case, you're talking about a goal of monetization. The thing is, you're going to have to spend a certain amount of money to, you know, achieve that monetization. So, you know, you also have to put money into your release. It's, um, it's pretty impossible to release a film with no money. Exactly. So th there's two things I want to talk to you about now. One is goals, because that, you mentioned that three or four times, and then I want to go yeah. into the budget. But you seem to feel that, number one, when you start to work with someone, what is your goal? So what could some of those goals be, for example? Um, what could be – oh, for me, the goals are, you know, financial. That's one goal. Another would be um, fall under the level of career launch where, 
you mainly want to get a career launch from the film and you're not so concerned, both probably the director and producer want to get a career launch from the film, so they're less concerned about money. And where you see that in, you know, uh, direct opposition is, you know, it may not make financial sense to do a theatrical release, but maybe a theatrical release will trigger reviews. And um, if there's good reviews to be had from the film, and um, it's not so much a theatrical release is going to launch your career, but, you know, unless that theatrical release takes off and is very successful, um, it's more the reviews that would come out of a theatrical release. And reviews aren't necessarily guaranteed these days, so, you know, for every film. So, um, but there might be other things maybe even not doing a theatrical, but the fact, you know, if your film is, say, Netflix wants to buy the film, you know, maybe the fact of being um, a Netflix original will help your career in some way. So, so anyway, financial um, uh, career, uh, then change the world, um, you know, having some sort of impact. Um, and then some people are mainly concerned with just getting their film seen. You know, they don't, you know, they just want to get their film out into the world. They made the film and they, you know, want to get their film out there and they want the widest audience possible to see it. And they want to be able to, you know, in some way document that audience. Um, then another goal that's kind of like, you know, a bit of a side goal and directly addresses what you're saying in terms of self-release is developing a direct fan base. And this is where self-release or engaging some sort of direct-to-fan distribution will help you gain that audience and keep that audience for future crowdfunding efforts and for future films. And I think that's coming back now. I think that went away a little bit, I think, because Netflix and Amazon bought so many films a couple of years ago. But now yes. that's dying off a little bit. Okay, here are your goals. It could be financial, it could be career, it could be to change the world, uh, it could be to have the film seen in the most, mm-hmm. in the most places possible, and mm-hmm. uh, what is, uh, and self-release, or develop direct fan base. That would be yes. the fifth one. Yeah, And exactly. it is coming back. People have got to do that. There was... A filmmaker that wanted to get her film on iTunes, and she only had like 3,000 names on Facebook, which I think is a lot, but mm-hmm. they, didn't, they didn't want to take it till she had 4,000 names, so she was after everybody, please go to Facebook mm-hmm. and like me. So, so mm-hmm. it's the tail wagging the dog now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, that's interesting because you can... You know, you can put your film on iTunes yourself through, um, say, Quiver or Distributor, um, um, and, you know, they don't, it's not, as far as I know, they're not looking at how many, you know, Facebook people you have. I mean, that might have been a digital distributor who was saying that. Um, but I Probably. Think that's, and that's kind of a little odd because, you know, it's less about how many people like your page on Facebook than the advertising that you're going to do, you know. And I would say that, you know, it's more important to have a robust email list um, than to, you know, Facebook likes are great. And it's good to have a certain amount to launch an advertising campaign because it gives you a sense of who the audience is for the film. Um, but, um but ultimately, um, um, it's the advertising that you do and a commitment to an advertising spend 
I would say that's going to make the difference. Um, but to, to, to get people to buy on iTunes is, you know, increasingly difficult these days. It's harder. Transactional revenue has, you know, for mo- many films declined because so many, there's so much content available for people on Netflix and Amazon Prime that people just watch for free. So it's really a matter of how do you get people to watch your film. So, you know, it's a, you know, uh, it's a challenging world out there. Yes, it is. Uh, there is a lot of competition. I see that from running the grants. Now, tell us, John, how filmmakers can reach you. So people can reach me through my website, which is hybridcinema.com, uh, H-Y-B-R-I-D-C-I-N-E-M-A.com. And there's a form that people can fill out to request a chat with me to, you know, um, you know, uh, I'm taking on a couple of projects this month. Um, and I only take on a couple of projects every month. Um, and I'll take a look at it, give you, we'll have set up a time to talk and see if it makes sense to work together. And um, if that's the other alternative is to email my assistant, um, A-S-S-T at hybridcinema.com. And, um, you know, if you forget the URL, you can usually Google John Reese Hybrid Cinema, and you know the website should come up. So, right, um, that's perfect. Yeah. Well, now, I remember years ago you telling me that filmmakers need to put almost the same amount of money into their marketing distribution budget as they did into the film budget. So, how mm-hmm. is that running today? Is it still true? Yeah, I'd say it's maybe even more true. Um, you know, because it's a much more competitive, it's a very competitive landscape. Um, there's fewer, I would say there's probably fewer distribution opportunities. So chances are you're going to be involved doing the release, you know, the, the 95% chance in, on some level you're going to be involved in your release and spending money on your release. And, um, you know, yes, filmmakers want to make the best film possible, but then it's a matter of making sure that you can release it properly. Um, and, um, so, um, you know, there's, it's, um, it's very difficult to accomplish anything without any, any kind of resources. And, um, and yeah, and many, you know, I applaud the digital distributors who actually say that they really want the filmmakers involved in the distribution and marketing um, because it's honest. And, you know, a lot of them, I mean, some will actually, there are a number of distributors who are really bang out the distribution marketing. There are a few of those, you know, a number of those. Um, but there's a lot, you know, rely on the filmmakers and not only to be involved, but also to spend resources to hire a social media team and a social, a social advertising team, you know, and to spend money in that, in those ways. And if outreach is important to hire people to do outreach. So, um, so this part of the budget is just like you do for your production budget. You get on the phone, you call companies like Hybrid Cinema and say, what do you charge for this or that or the other? Mm-hmm. And you start getting uh, guides early on so that you can mm-hmm. create that distribution, uh, social marketing distribution budget. Uh, so mm-hmm. that when you get there, you're not, you don't go into shock. This is what filmmakers yeah. say to me. And I think <laughs> they just yeah, go it's, crazy. It's, and I would say that a lot of decks um, actually, um, you know, when you're doing a proposal, you're creating a deck to try to raise money and, and, or some kind of, and 
a lot of people want to see what your distribution marketing plan is. They want to see if you have a sense of your audience at that time. And I do work with filmmakers at the very beginning to help them determine, you know, what to write into their distribution and marketing plan and to, and what, um, you know, how to put their, you know, how to identify their audiences there. Yes, you helped um, Patrice, a friend of mine, with her distribution marketing outline. Oh, yeah. I gave her a, oh, yeah. a bare bones, and then you went in and you really embellished it. And that has yeah. been very beneficial for her because these are you. what you did was you gave her key words to use. Mm-hmm. Uh, Not only that, I think I, what I did with her, and this is something I do with my clients, this is like just to talk more specifically about a consultation and an early consultation, is that um, – you know, uh, we I learned about the project, and she had a she already had a distribution marketing plan written, or I gave her a template, or you gave her a template, and yes. then what I did is I went through and I re <laughs> I basically redlined the whole thing tremendously, and that was a large part of the consultation was me going in and and reworking her distribution marketing plan. It's always better and much less expensive for filmmakers. Um, I mean, people pay me to write a distribution marketing plan, but that tends to be pretty expensive. Um, the alternative is for me to talk you through it. You go and write a draft, and then I, you know, come in and, um, you know, you know, redline it, and then you go and fix it, and then I redline it again, and usually we're done. So. Yes, but that is beneficial. I think filmmakers really need that, and they need that before they get to post, honestly. Mm-hmm. They need that yeah. while they're in production, maybe when they get in the editing phase. But it's uh, it's an eye-opener when you look at all the potential distribution avenues you have today. But then the the other side of it is how much money it takes to do these things because it, you're all on your own here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. so they, it's going to well, be a high budget. Well, hopefully they're not all on your own. I mean, hopefully, you know, you can bring someone on board your team and who can help you with this. And that's part of the reason I created the, the credit of producer and marketing and distribution was to, you know, you know, if you can't, and I know some producers complain about it because they feel like it, it devalues the producer credit, but, you know, it's a lot of work. Like I just spent a year of my life like releasing a film and a lot of the work, and I know from experience that this work is producerial. There's creative aspects to it. There's, you know, production aspects to it. There's, you know, um, a lot of it is, you know, similar to what other producers do. And that's why, you know, and, you know, if you can't, and I hate to say this, but, you know, and I know producers complain about the devaluing of the producer credit. Part of the reason it's devalued is because filmmakers give it to a lot of different people because that enables them, you know, to give a credit in exchange for um, um, sometimes in exchange for money, but also in exchange for sweat equity. And so if you don't have um, money to pay someone, um, you know, because I know most of you out there on low budgets, bring someone on board who knows how to do this and give them a credit. Don't maybe start them at producer of marketing and distribution at, at first, maybe start them at as associate producer. And maybe they stay as associate producer, but they're doing this work. Um, I'm, not a whole, I'm not holding hard and fast to needing to use the, UP, the PMD credit, um, but think just as you create your production and use a smart way to create your production, you, you have to do the same thing with distribution and marketing. 
Absolutely agree. Well, I want to get your help on this. I have a, a filmmaker who won our grant. She needs some advice. She has a film called Caretakers about the family mm-hmm. in wounded warrior lives who give up their own personal right. life just to take care of wounded. So she finished right. her film, and she rushed into her, their uh, release quickly because the distributor said, oh, yes, we want it, but you have a deadline. You have to get it to me by this And she did, and now she finds that the income from the VOD is very small, and she needs to get the film seen, and she wants to make some of her money back. And she cannot make sales on her website. She does have the rights to educational and institutional licensing, as well as one-time showing. So Mm -hmm. she wants to reach universities, museums, and groups that would want to buy a license or a screening. So do you take films like this? Well, the problem is that um, in this case, um, you know, I would take her to help talk her through what her options are. Um, a little bit of the problem is is that the film's already on iTunes or what, Amazon, wherever, um, and it seems like um, I didn't know that she has a distribution deal that she's tied to. So... Um, you know, the only way it's hard to do, it's hard to do educational when the film's already out transactionally. And it's going to be difficult to get an educational distributor to come on board. So, um, you know, she could try to do the educational work herself, um, but she will be battling certain people always being able to go to iTunes or Amazon and buying the film that way. Um, You know, it's a little tough, and this is why, you know, I would just say to a more general audience is don't, you know, if anyone's rushing you into something, it's going to cost you a lot less to hire me to consult and um, help walk you through that process as opposed to rushing into anything and shooting yourself in the foot um, like it seems like, unfortunately, this this woman did. Um, I would never rush into any kind of distribution deal or, you know, Uh, I would always at least, you know, seek advice of people who have experience in this and see, you know, what kind of deal it is, who it's from, you know, what the, you know, what the benefits are of doing that versus something else. And that's the trouble. I also, that's also the problem with assigning, you know, it seems like she has some rights, but she has the rights to community screenings and educational sales and maybe institutional sales. Um, and, um, but it's, you know, and she can go out. I mean, I think, you know, maybe the best bet for her would be to maybe seek some sponsorship, um, around a screenings campaign, um, and, um, maybe around an educational campaign. And yes, I do work with people when they're in these kinds of situations. I just, you know, um, I don't like to take money from people who, you know, I don't feel like maybe I can help. You know, um, but, you know, if she's, if she, but everyone has, you know, the thing is every film and filmmaker is different and has different situations. This is a particularly tough one. Um, but, you know, I like to try to help. So I, you know, my reason for doing this is, you know, because I really get a lot of pleasure out of helping filmmakers and artists, you know, um, with this very difficult path that they have. So, um, 
Yeah, this is good. This her. is so needed. They need help because she's just one of many that I hear. Uh, they seem to get so excited when a distributor approaches them that mm-hmm. they they won't stand up and say, no, I, I want to sell it on my website. I want the educational rights. They won't make any demands. They just say, give me a contract. You know, they think it's all going to work out. But uh, not knowing enough about a distributor contract. It seems to be the biggest problems. People do that. They don't want to spend the money on an attorney, obviously, or even if they do, maybe the attorney doesn't advise them properly in today's world. Yeah. There's so, so many you options. Definitely need a, you, need a, you definitely need an attorney who's familiar with distribution and marketing, um, independent film distribution and marketing. So um, I do hear of people who use attorneys who, you know, are good attorneys, you know, great attorneys, but they don't know the, they don't know what to ask for, you know, um, and they don't know what to push for. They don't know what other films get. So, um, yeah, so you definitely, you know, and it's so funny. It's like, um, you know, sometimes people balk at my fee and, you know, it's like, and I understand that, but, you know, I do feel like, um, I feel like filmmakers can be so benefited by having some proper advice at the right time. Um, and, um, and I would say the key spot is in post-production, like even at the rough cut stage, um, like if you're only going to do it once, I would do it at the rough cut stage or kind of like as you're approaching fine cut um, and seek out some advice about how you're going to approach this film. What's the best path for the film? Cause you definitely want to do this before you even start a, before you even finish the edit of the film, because a lot of filmmakers don't even know. And I don't mean this in the bad way, how to necessarily go about creating the best edit of the film, like, and how to seek advice for that. And to make sure one of the key things is to make sure that you're going out with the best possible film that, um, you know, um, and that's, that's the first step. You know, because it's such a crowded media marketplace out there, you have to really put your best foot forward and you really need to, you know, test your film and et cetera. And starting starting there and then figuring out a plan for the film. Um, I would say it's super essential, you know. And uh, definitely. And, and certainly the- do it if anyone starts offering you certain kinds of deals. And um, there's a lot of good companies out there, but there's a lot of companies that are just, kind of like working on a catalog basis and they just want to try to put out as many films as possible. And not pay any attention to the individual filmmakers. They give them no special attention. It just goes out in the catalog. That isn't going to work in today's market. No. I'm sure of that. Because it didn't work in any market, you know. Um, <laughs> didn't work 10 right. years ago, you know, and filmmakers complained about it back then. So, you know, um, yeah. So I'm here to help. I don't know how much more time do we have. Well, I, one more thing I want to go, go over with you. What are the success stories? Can you share one success story with us? Yeah, I mean, we just finished this film, um, The Gate, which was about the origins of the Baha'i faith, and that was a, um, a pretty intense release <clears throat> created by a few things. Um, it was the, the biggest problem, even though I strongly advised against it a year before, was that the film was offered a chance to be an ABC broadcast on ABC affiliates in May, but the film was only finished in April. 
So we had very little time, and for other circumstances, we weren't allowed to start the marketing of the film until the beginning of April. So we were um, kind of always kind of like a little bit, felt like we were always catching up. Um, but we ended up doing like 400, 400 to 450 screenings in like 24 countries. Um, we, you know, did a very um, significant, because the goal of the film was awareness. That was the goal of the film. And um, we did, um, besides the screening campaign, we did a, um, a lot on social, social media, but especially social advertising. So, you know, if you, you know, think about, I think it's like we had about um, uh, 12 million reach on the campaign. A million of that is organic. 11 million of that is paid. Um, part of what we did, though, is we also, because there was audiences early on were saying that they wanted to know what was going on now. Um, and so we created um, about 30 pieces of extra content that we put online. Um, and at times we were putting out new video content twice a week. So that really helped build our, um, not only our Facebook following, but also um, had a lot of people. I think we ended up having 500,000 uh, unique views of those videos that we put out. So, and again, because the, the, the goal was awareness, um, that was very successful. Um, and we ended up translating the film into 10, 11 languages. Um, there's now a multi-language DVD. It's available on VHX and each of those languages individually. Um, we're also doing an educational campaign for the film. Um, but in that case, it's similar to the, the circumstance that you were saying is that we are always you know, for all aspects of the release. And I think the, the, the ABC broadcast, because the goal was awareness, um, was good because the top seven markets, uh, two million people saw the film. Um, and then they didn't do any Nielsen ratings on the rest of the markets. Um, but I, I would just guess, say, another million people saw it. So around three million people saw it from, um, from that ABC broadcast. Um, and, you know, so in that case, in that sense of having, you know, awareness of the film and um, uh, people seeing the film, I think it was pretty successful. Um, I also think with great. the Dean's film, you know, doing, we ended up doing 200 screenings and, you know, helping really get the word out about that, you know, very successful. And so those are a couple of the, you know, we didn't, because of this one large release, we didn't really work on that many films. I also worked on a film, Father's Kingdom, and, a lot of what I was doing is I met that filmmaker a week before uh, Doc NYC, um, and um, we ended up helping. You know, we took over the film festival application process because they weren't really hadn't really weren't familiar with it, hadn't really done any of that, and um, you know, ended up being in about fourteen other film festivals. Um, got a couple of distribution offers. Um, uh, got I managed to get them an educational distributor. Um, and, um, so, and we might be doing the, you know, the social for the release on that. So. Oh, those are great. Now, let me ask you, you said, uh, that this was in 24 countries. You, you, uh, have the ability to get people screenings in other countries. Yeah, anyone does. 
you know, um, how, did it's, you, um, how did you do that? Well, you just do it. You do it through your website. And so you have to engage people and it. it has to be a matter of where you're targeting other countries and people hear about it, um, you know, through um, emails or social advertising. And then you, you know, put a, um, um, you put something on your website where, um, people can sign up for screenings and then someone reaches back to them. And now that we're, you know, we're um, slowing down the campaign and wrapping up what we're doing on the campaign, if someone wants a screening, they basically buy it through the store. And, um, you know, it's very, here's the thing, it's very easy to engage global distribution. Um, and the difficult thing is to get people to want to buy the film is global marketing is difficult. Um, but global distribution is not, you know, that difficult. It hasn't been difficult for quite some time. Um, you mentioned VHX.TV mm-hmm. now. So did they use that? Did they upload through them? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what we used. And um, so – and it's a little bit more difficult than it used to be. They're not really – VHX, which is now owned by Vimeo, is not so much focused on um, – on, um, you know, that kind of transactional, um, and they're more focused on subscription. But, um, but you know, it's we researched a number of platforms, and we still feel like it's the best platform for that. Okay, that sounds good. So you uploaded it, and then it was up to you to do the marketing and reach the yeah. other countries so that you drove people to buy the film. That's marvelous. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like you so, should be very proud of that. Yeah, yeah. I think we accomplished a lot, yeah. Well, tell yeah. us one more time how people can reach you, John, please. Um, people can reach me through hybridcinema.com, um, and there's a form there that people can fill out. And um, barring that form, they can also email ASST at hybridcinema.com. A S like Sam, so A S S T at hybridcinema.com. And I'm actually a product, so that's how people, you know, can reach me. Yeah. Okay, sounds great. Thank you so much, John. Well, thank you. And um, yeah, so, and, you know, I'm here to help filmmakers and I'm starting to re engage my email list. So, um, you know, uh, I think. I think there's usually an email sign-up form on my website, but we're in the process of launching a new website in January. So this website we haven't, you know, um, updated recently. But you can always, if you want to join our email list, you can also just email ASST at Hybrid Cinema and just say add me to your email list. So Great. Will do. I'm going to get on there because I really love everything you do. It's so forward thinking. I think you're on my email list, aren't you? I don't know, but I'll make sure of it. (laughs) Cool. Great. Thank you so much, Carol. I really appreciate it. All right. Lots of good luck, John. Thank you, Claire. Thank you so much. Yeah, and I look forward to being on again in a few months. Yes. We want to hear about all the new things happening in 2019. Thank you, John. Yeah. Okay. Thank you guys so much. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks, John. 
All right. And to our listeners, I want to tell you how grateful we are for the donations you've given at FromTheHeartProductions.com to support our podcast. Carol and I sincerely thank you. We'd love to hear from you with your ideas for more shows. What are some topics that you would like covered and who would you like interviewed? Just Send us a, a note. Let us know what's on your mind. Give us some feedback. Always great to hear from you. And please join us next week for the Art of Film Funding podcast. I want to remind our listeners that David Raiklin is a brilliant and talented award-winning musician who scores films and can compose music for a trio or for a full orchestra. David is a very good friend to the independent filmmaker and comes highly recommended by From the Heart Productions. If you need music to help tell your story, please contact him at davidraiklin.com. That's David, R-A-I-K-L-E-N dot com. And Carol and I want to thank you for tuning in to The Art of Film Funding. Please visit our website at fromtheheartproductions.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Good luck with your films, everyone. Now, in its second edition, Carol Dean's popular book, The Art of Film Funding, has 12 new chapters to cover all areas of film financing and how to avoid expensive pitfalls. Learn how to start with an idea and end with a trailer. How to make an ask for money. Create your story structure and your trailer. Legal advice, fair use, successful crowdfunding, how to ask for music rights, and what insurance you can't shoot without. Available on Amazon under Carol Dean and at FromTheHeartProductions.com. Alexa, play Whitney Houston. Okay. Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get access to over 50 million songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. Support for this podcast and the following messages comes from Texas Mutual Insurance Company, proud to support the many Texas businesses who make safety their number one priority in the workplace. More information about safety-focused workers' comp available at worksafetexas.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.